Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like kicking a TV in the 80s. It just works. Today on the show, I want to talk about why toxic people are interesting and why we tend to be attracted to them or have at some point in our lives. I think it takes a lot of active work to be aware of who, who is toxic and why toxicity is bad for us and what the difference is between like a quote unquote normal person and a toxic person is and uh, how to avoid them. So let's break that down today on dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. Drums, Hello, friends. C note here. Welcome to the show. For those who don't know me, my name is Christian Rivera. I'm a digital producer and uh, personal development coach. Uh, my titles are always slightly changing as I figure out what I'm trying to do with my life that makes more consistent income and things that I enjoy. If I could just do this podcast all the time, that would be fantastic, but I haven't quite gotten to that level just yet. Still trying to find ways to uh, expand my reach on this episode and on these podcasts, but uh, hopefully this episode will reach far and wide because today we are talking about why toxic people are interesting. And I think it's something that uh, many people who are sort of uh, entranced by the toxic types are not really thinking about. There's a lot of different avenues and ways that people can be susceptible to being manipulated by toxic people or... Um, by being entranced by them, you know, sexually aroused and orgasmed by, and, uh, you know, for various reasons, a lot of them involve some semblance of self-esteem or even elitism. You know, much of us have, we've watched plenty of reality TV shows. We've read all sorts of crazy stories. We've, we've watched all sorts of movies and heard so many cautionary tales that involve a lot of toxic people doing all sorts of crazy things. And uh, for some reason, we still allow that to creep into our lives. And I thought this was such an important episode that I felt like I had to write down uh, some specific sort of... Uh, uh, well, I took a bunch of notes. I read some articles and I sort of helped me organize my thoughts on this because I did not want to miss things. I felt like this is... An incredibly important topic that many, many people of all walks of life experience different forms of toxicity, and we just feel like we we just never see it coming. It's never obvious in the moment. It's really difficult for it to be obvious in the moment because it's often disguised as some form of caring or love or someone being interesting or they make us feel good or or you know, we can save them, right? Some degree of those things. So I'm going to kind of just go down this list that I have recorded here on my phone and um, 
sort of just extrapolate on a couple of these things. And I kind of, uh, I'm going to start with the first one that uh, I feel like I already started to kind of go down a rabbit hole of, but it's a lot of people when we watch, I think a lot of people watch uh, reality TV shows and especially ones where people are just kind of arguing and fighting and like throwing things at each other or competing in a way that's just like, I'm going to ruin her, <laughs> like that sort of stuff, real housewives sort of stuff, uh, because it makes us feel better about ourselves and it makes us feel better about our lives. Like I could never do that or that's such a terrible person or whatever, right? You get sort of these expressions of what we think reality is or what the potential of some people's behavior is as a, as almost a reminder to ourselves of like, okay, I could never be that. I could never do that. I'm a good person, right? And with that comes with comes some sense of elitism, you know, just that idea of like, I would never do that. Uh, like a, just this desire to feel smarter or better as a result of viewing these people who are making all sorts of terrible choices in such a bombastic and, you know, often ridiculous kind of way. Right. But without having a sense of empathy of like what, <clears throat> their circumstances are why they feel this way, maybe what their their upbringing has you know created for them so that they feel like they have to behave this way to get love to get attention, but we just look at it as entertainment and see people you know uh, hurting themselves and hurting each other, but all we get out of it is feeling good about ourselves and while I know that's not a great place to start, and it might suck to like sort of accept that or think about that, but I think it's really important to start there so that we can realize that, you know, we can sometimes perpetuate toxicity as much as we're interested in avoiding it. So um, another aspect is being familiar with it. We're just simply, we may have, may have experienced toxicity in our past and have associated with what it's like to be a healthy person, especially if you watched like those reality TV shows as a kid and all you've been exposed to is like all sorts of drama, you know, that extreme kind of drama or like, uh, uh, like, uh, soap operas or something where everything is just like emotional weight all the time that you feel like that's the way that life is supposed to be. So that when you get into relationships, you're expecting that that's what it's supposed to be like, that you're supposed to be conflicting all the time and fighting and, and, um, having all sorts of intense things going on in your life. And if there's nothing wrong happening in your life, that your life is not interesting, right? So you might be feeling stuck and addicted to the stress in that sense. You may not know that there is a such thing as a non-toxic person. So in that instance, you simply just need more exposure to other people and experience in your life and to sort of do a bit of a mental reframe to, to recognize that feeling um, this sense of toxicity in your life or, or perpetuating it is not a healthy experience. And to be boring, quote unquote, is not boring. <laughs> is, is, you know, healthy doesn't equal boring. A healthy can be interesting. You just need to find new ways to make your experience more interesting. That involves a little bit more work beyond what you may or may not be familiar with. Sometimes we like to surround ourselves with toxic people because we want to fix them. This is sort of an extension of the elitism sort of thing, that there's a satisfaction and uh, that elitism of being like a part of this white knight syndrome of wanting to save someone. 
I, I personally fell for this quite a bit when I was a teenager. I felt a certain personal sense of elitism with my intelligence and being a man. I think there's some aspects of being a male that sort of inherently make you feel like you're, if you save a, a woman, for example, in terms of like improving their life circumstances or you sort of do this, you know, this white knight scenario that there's an air of manufactured sense of reciprocity to it, right? It's something I did as a teenager and I don't feel great about it. Um, but you feel that if you fix them all the time so that when it's time for you to get yours, they, they're ready to deliver, right? So it's not genuinely helping someone. It's actually, in a sense, you are co-opting and, and co-participating in being toxic by wanting to fix a toxic person by toxic means, by being manipulative to get what you want out of it. So it's like a really messed up scenario where both people are pretty, being pretty, pretty painfully toxic. But sometimes if the toxic person, I, I've had situations too, where like the toxic person that I was trying to fix, you know, trying to convert a quote unquote bad girl to a good girl. Um, they, they, they know they know that stuff because they do that themselves, right? So they <laughs> they can see through your shtick, and uh, it really no one no one wins there. That's not that's not great. <laughs> um, and uh, you know another reason that we might attract toxicity into our lives is that they reflect our personal values that we may not even be realizing. You may be subconsciously identifying with their behavior and wanting to surround yourself with it. So this idea of being just kind of unfocused and noncommittal and unhealthy and exuding stress all the time and really being addicted to stress, you may be feeding the stress monster by keeping toxicity in your life without even realizing that that's just sort of your natural state, right? So the only the, really one of the best ways that you can figure out if you are feeding the stress monster is to try to get yourself into a situation where you couldn't possibly be feeling any kind of stress. Experience something that is you know, extremely good, go to a mountaintop somewhere, (laughs) try to learn uh, yoga and meditation and something where you're not supposed to be feeling stress and feeling if that's uncomfortable, right? There are some aspects of me personally that I've been wondering a lot for myself that like being quiet is very uncomfortable. Sometimes being, um, having guided meditation is very uncomfortable, uh, at times. And it makes me feel like if I prefer the busyness and the stress and all of that stuff, and that's not necessarily good. It's not good for your physiological health to perpetuate that. So that's not a good thing at all. Um, and, and, but some of us, some of us want to find the good in people by keeping toxic people around, you know, and, and while it's a noble endeavor, it can often lead to enabling or being taken advantage of. <clears throat> we we don't feel like we deserve uh, better than the toxic people that we surround ourselves with. So it's kind of a low self-esteem situation that we feel like we're equal or lower to them in our perception. So to kind of, um, so to leave the scenario would be putting us in a elitism situation. And if you have a certain moral rightness against elitism, it's going to be difficult to grow away from toxicity, which is generally a self-esteem issue. If you're not feeling good about yourself and who you are, then you're going to kind of surround yourself with people that perpetuate that narrative. A few weeks ago, I had an episode about personal narratives and uh, FI users 
uh, ENFPs in the Myers-Briggs system and some TJs are going to understand this concept that a lot of people perpetuate narratives in their lives to have reality fit what they feel like they're supposed to have. So sometimes that means continuing to surround yourself with toxic people so that you can see like, see, I'm worthless too, right? Um, let's take a quick break and uh, finish going down this list. There's just a few more items that I think are really important to talk about. But uh, so far, I feel like it's there's been some good stuff here. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about more toxic things. Yay! <laughs> All right, welcome back. Hope you survived those few seconds uh, and you didn't run off and join a cult or something. That would be weird. I don't know why you would just do that randomly. That'd be a strange choice in the middle of a podcast to do. But uh, now that you're back, if you're here and you're the same person that you were a few seconds ago, we can continue talking about toxicity and why we find toxicity to be interesting, interesting in media, interesting in our lives. And, um, at some point in our lives, I'm sure we've been susceptible to some semblance of toxicity, um, you know, whether it's in high school or college or family members or anything like that. There are all sorts of ranges of people that can bring toxicity into your lives. And I find this is separate from my notes, but I find that a through line with toxicity is some semblance of control over another person for the improvement or detriment of your self-esteem that seems to be like the definition that i would give to a toxic person is the desire for control uh, or feeling a lack of control in their lives and seeking it through another person by projecting and putting all sorts of stuff on them so um okay all right this is my third podcast I've recorded today, so I'm starting to feel the tiredness <laughs> of doing all this talking. Uh, talking really lights my brain up, but if your brain is lit up for multiple hours at a time, it can be pretty exhausting. So I'm going to be taking a long break after this to make sure I don't uh, poison my own brain. So the last few things we're going to go through here, we've got uh, about five or six items to kind of round off this list. And I'm going to put a companion article uh, on about this episode as well to sort of flesh some of this out in written form at dopamine.life. If you want to go check out the website with all sorts of things and goodies in there. And there's also the link to the free Myers-Briggs course there, if that's something you're interested in. So to continue along this path, Um, one of the things that is really attractive about toxic people is that toxic people take more risks and therefore they feel more interesting. You know, one of these common themes that we've noticed is that, uh, toxic people or the attraction to toxicity often equates to just some semblance of excitement, right? I keep saying semblance, but seem some, (laughs) some desire for excitement in your life because you don't feel comfortable with the normal which can, you know, it can be very exciting to witness or experience the risk taking of someone who is uh, a toxic person. So, you know, riding motorcycles and doing stunts and all of this stuff that could like 
really make it like brag worthy stuff, but could genuinely put you at risk, you know, but that's could be like drug users and all sorts of other actually bad things. Not just like, let's go on a roller coaster. (laughs) But I mean, like actually like surrounding themselves with further toxic people and therefore bringing you into a scenario that you were just nowhere near equipped to handle. And you may be susceptible to all sorts of, bad things that could have long-term effects on your life negatively. Uh, And another one is simply put, and this one is, this is me using my TI here, but um, perhaps you're just gullible. And being gullible means that many toxic people know that they're being toxic and they try to cover it up with being more interesting or attractive to compensate for the terrible behavior. So they may simply appear to be a very exciting, attractive person but because you don't have much experience with an with a toxic person, you may not be able to read between the lines and see the signs of someone that's going to be a toxic person. You may not see how they are desiring all of your attention and not giving your attention to other not not letting you give your attention to other people, which is something we'll talk about a few um in a few lines down here. But um Another thing is that you put them on a pedestal also that for some reason you've identified toxicity as something attainable for your, uh, unattainable for yourself or rather. Yeah. You've, you've identified toxicity, toxicity, as something attainable for yourself and you may attract a toxic partner as a means of uplifting your self-esteem or status. Uh, they could be incredibly fun and attractive, but perhaps qualities you don't have, um, which are, is akin to, to catching your Moby Dick, basically, <laughs> you know, that white whale and, uh, therefore proving your worth to yourself and others by landing this toxic yet attractive person, right? So you could be totally, uh, putting this person on a pedestal and making them like an angel and some sort of like big catch in your life that once you land this person, it proves to others that you have worth because you're able to catch someone that would not normally be someone that seems to be attainable, right? The bad boy as it were, or the bad girl. (laughs) Um, the, the journey itself can be entertaining and that could be something that you're, you're really fascinated by. Like we've seen manipulative people on manipulative people on TV and find the, the process fascinating to see people just get away with stuff, you know, whether that's fiction or reality TV, which is also fiction and, um, you know, other aspects of drama within life. It's one way of understanding the limits of human behavior as well. So we, we kind of expose ourselves to that so we can see like, Oh, I didn't know people were capable of such manipulation. And, you know, it's, um, it's almost a way to learn sometimes by watching it innocently on TV to look for, uh, some behaviors in people. But we also have to remember that these are typically dramatic interpretations of people being toxic. And sometimes we can conflate someone's normal behavior with toxic behavior. And that can get really tricky real fast. My voice is disappearing. So we've got three more to go as we wrap this up. It's going to be kind of a short episode. We may, uh, associate, actually, I'm going to take a quick, uh, swig of water. Uh, Yeah. That's good podcasting right there. All right, that's better. Ooh, take a breath. I gotta slow down. I'm I'm not I'm not the best at that. I get excited and I just want to talk. <laughs> so we got three more here. 
Um, one is we may associate external feelings with care regardless of the emotion. Toxic name calling or judgment is par for the course and what you expected to happen. Especially when you get in long-term relationships, there's all this like expectation that marriage is marriage is hard and you know you guys are gonna fight all the time this is just normal right you're just kind of well you may have you know grown up in a household where there was a lot of domestic uh turmoil and a lot of fighting and throwing things and all of this stuff and you may have just thought that those were expressions of love especially if your parents or other family members that you've seen will be fine afterwards right that they just work through their stuff and they uh they somehow somehow it worked for them, but you expect that that's the way it's supposed to be in all, all circumstances. So you may be attract a partner or become the attracted, uh, or become the toxic person who is trying to associate an external expression of fiery emotions, regardless of what that emotion is when it comes to like name calling and belittling and all of that stuff as expressions of love, you know? I've had that happen where the expectation from me was that because I'm an INTP and I'm not very emotionally expressive, that even in my current relationship, sometimes Molly is just like, sometimes I just want to hear the raw emotion. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to know what I'm working through. I need to come up with more elegant language first because I'm I'm not sitting here trying to call someone terrible names or trying to express the raw emotion that may not necessarily be what I'm trying to say, right? It's, it's not that easy. <laughs> so I don't think that's exactly healthy. It's not something that's about clear communication. I think to express the nuances of what it actually is that you're feeling that involves careful thought and discussion and questions and listening and holding space and like really thoughtfully working through difficult ideas, but also not holding back your truth, right? At the same time, you know, but it doesn't have to be this fiery blaze of glory every time. That's not how you're supposed to show love or that you should show love. And, um, you know, just to be aware that maybe that's what you have assumed love is supposed to be. And, you know, maybe that involves going to therapy or having other discussions to sort of right the ship in terms of that perception. Um, let's see, they want all of your attention and that feels great, but often comes at the cost of sacrificing friends and family. They will isolate you. And now a lot of these things on this list sound like behaviors that, uh, um, borderline personality disorder, uh, people can often exhibit. And I don't think it's exclusive to borderline personality disorders, but, um, there's certainly a lot that we can learn about toxic behavior from the symptoms of borderline personality disorder, because I think borderline personality disorder uh, sort of strips away some of the, um, some of the, the, the healthy, the easier to access healthy mechanisms of interpersonal relationships. Borderline personality disorder types tend to um, want all of your attention and, uh, and, and that feels great for, for someone at first, but when they really see the extremes of it, that it often comes at the cost of sacrificing your friends and family and starts to isolate you. Then you start to feel like it's a sense of control. And there's typically other things going on in borderline person, uh, personality disorder that is not as simple as quote unquote, them being a toxic person. Um, there are definitely borderline personality disorder types that have gone through 
therapy and they're going through medication and they're, you know, recovering and managing themselves and all of that stuff. So that's not a one-to-one, uh, comparison, but, um, certainly something to think about if this is a topic you want to dive a little further into is to look into some of those symptoms of borderline personality disorder. And, um, and the last thing here is that they can appear supportive when you're satisfying all of their criteria. So something that I experienced in my marriage, unfortunately, was um, this notion that everything was great if I was kind of submitting and doing everything that I was quote unquote supposed to do. But the second I wanted to do what I actually wanted to do, even if it had no direct uh, correlation to what she needed or anything like that, it was just there was never... I was not allowed to really do my own thing. So um, those are just some examples, but um, hopefully some of this has helped you understand why toxic people can be so alluring and so interesting, right? It's not, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I think I don't, I don't necessarily want to ever blame someone for falling into the trap of falling for a toxic person, whether that's in a relationship or as a family member, because it's really this battle of control and self-esteem and external validation. There's like a couple of different elements that are kind of through lines with toxic behavior and toxic behavior is basically, you know, for the person who is creating the toxic behavior, it's often a lack of responsibility and a lack of humility and a lack of the ability to look into oneself to sort of assess their own emotions and figure out where to go in life. And they kind of attach their self-esteem to another person and that having another person in their lives that they can either kick down in some capacity makes, you know, lifts them up in the same way that we talked about the elitism piece of like looking at toxic people and saying like, ah, I'm such a good person. I could never be that. The toxic person is doing the exact same thing, but with a target typically a meek person of some kind, someone who seems susceptible and who's going to give them everything they want so that they can keep them at a lower, uh, a, a, a lower tier of their own personal status in a sense. Right. So that's why also when like a toxic person is, uh, experiencing their partner, like getting a promotion or moving up or, or elevating themselves in terms of their confidence and self-esteem, it can be really easy for that person to get upset and bring them down and, and um, you know, really, really kick them down a peg because they are not in touch with their own self-esteem. And if this other person is going to become better, that just means I'm lesser. It doesn't mean they're better. It just means I'm lesser. That's the only way that they look at it. So I don't have any other crazy tips in terms of how to avoid toxic people so much as just thinking about the scenarios in which toxic people can be alluring and be attractive to us in our lives and how we need to figure out ways to become familiar with those things so that we can know to set boundaries. At the end of the day, it's about developing your self-esteem to be able to say no and to be able to move on and build up your life in a way that you're going to attract all of the good people in your life that are going to be supporting you and loving you and caring for you. In the last two episodes, we talked about stress and Maslow's hierarchy of needs And I talked about the idea of like when you're looking for intimate sexual relationships at some point in your life, it's going to be best for you to do that 
when you have all of your basement needs met, meaning your personal sense of security and safety, you have food and water and shelter and, and supportive family and morality and all of this stuff in your life that fits the Maslow's hierarchy of needs so that when you are looking for a partner, you're looking for someone, you, you're more likely to be able to say no to things that are not going to be good for you because you are not going to assume that this person's going to fulfill a need that you have. You have no needs that need to be filled. You are looking for this person because you want to be with someone, not because you need someone in your life. And another aspect of attracting a toxic person into your life is this perpetual need scenario. It's this need back and forth. One person really needs the other person and they're taking advantage of the other person and manipulating them to get the things that they need met so that they can personally feel better, this synthetic sense of feeling better, as opposed to actually fulfilling their needs for themselves and moving up at Maslow's hierarchy of needs on their own. Okay. Whew. I hope that made sense. I thought that was good. <laughs> I'm excited to have done that episode. Um, if you want to check out other articles and uh, the, the Myers-Briggs course, go to dopamine.life. If you want to follow me on social media, go to at let's go C note. And you can also check out the cosmic calibration course at bit.ly slash cosmic calibration, which is now a coaching program. So if you're an INTP wanting to learn how to connect to yourself and the universe and all of that wonderful absurdity, you can sign up for the, the cosmic calibration program, which now includes access to me in between each segment. So you'll have access to my Voxer and you can send me, um, I should clarify what Voxer is and you have access to my Voxer. That could be anything. <laughs> um, but Voxer is a basically kind of like a walkie talkie app in a sense. You can send voice messages back and forth. So that is a way for you to ask questions and connect with me so I can coach you and talk about your specific context and help and INTP sort of grow and develop and define their purpose to figure out how to move forward in life. So that's what that's all about. Bit.ly slash cosmic INTP, all lowercase. So um, that's it. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you do not have some toxic people in your life, but if you do and you're not sure what to do next, one of the first things that you can do is try to assess your own personal power Try to find ways to take the power back in your life. That means you might have to leave. That means you might have to slowly learn how to develop your own self-esteem so that you can say no to things that you need to say no to. Things get more complicated. Go back and listen to the stress episode. Go listen to the hierarchy of needs episode. And those things are going to be starting to put you on a path. But in the meantime, if you also have questions and you want to share a little bit of your story, in the description of the episode, there is a leave a voice message link. You just click that, sign up for the episode, sign up for Anchor, which is like a quick, you know, apply your Google account thing. And then you can send a voice message on your phone or on your desktop to the show. Well, that's about a minute and I can put it on the air or not. You can let me know and um, we can ask questions on the air. We can answer on the air, do all this fun stuff. So I want to connect with you guys. I want you to to connect with me on Twitter or Facebook, wherever. And, um, you know, just let me know that you're listening and if any of this work is working for you. So thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you for listening to this show. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. <laughs>